Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980, 1300 AM, or anywhere on that Odyssey app. You can also catch us anywhere you catch your favorite podcasts. You just search for the Rob O'Donnell Show. You like it, you make it one of your favorite. You can listen to the show whenever you want. Go back, listen in the past, listen to the show again, you know, whenever you want. You can go back a week, you can go back a month, you can go back a year. Well, not a year. I haven't been here a year. You can go back six months. I've been here that. Um, and, l- and listen to the show. It's a, it's a great uh, alternative to listen when you want, when your schedule permits. Because, uh, you know, we all know that we live and have demanding schedules. It's 410 here at the station, 89 degrees and mostly sunny. It's a hot one out there. It's a good, uh, as long as there's no none of these pop-up thunderstorms near you, it's a great day to get in the pool if you have one. If you have a friend that has a pool, go grab a six-pack of something and tell them you're coming over. Grab a couple steaks, grab some hot dogs, burgers, some chicken, whatever you want, and say, hey, your pool open? I got some chicken and some hot dogs and uh, some some of our favorite beverage. I'm on my way over. That's how that usually works. Um, but it's a good night to do that as long as those storms aren't coming near you. Now, we were talking this week about the, uh, the rate of inflation. It's actually in a good direction. 3% was the most recent um, index there. But when you when you dive into it, when you look into it, um, it it's not as beneficial to you or I, the everyday person, the person living in Northeast Pennsylvania. It, it's not all it seems. And when you take out the unrestricted index, it's more like four point eight. And again, we should be down below two. Uh, we should actually be around one percent. But anything under two is acceptable. You know, even 3% is a little high, but it's moving in the right direction. It's down from the month before. But the things specifically that it mentions are the things that affect us day in and day out. Rents, uh, eating out, clothing, gasoline. These are the things that are still up. These are the things that would have made that inflation higher if it wasn't for the luxury things that are down. Airfare prices, new furniture, used cars. Those prices are down, and it kind of levels it out and gives a false sense that everything's okay. And we know the people on TV, the media, uh, press secretaries, the administration people, politicians on both sides, you know, everything's great. We're going in a great direction. We're doing fine. But you or I, every time we go to the store, every time we go out to eat, every time we gas up our car, every time you write a utility bill, every time you pay your rent is – is uh, we're feeling it. We we know the prices are what they're saying it is. We know that it still hurts um, to be a, to be a citizen in America. It, it's not just here. It's hurting in a lot of other locations even more than it does here. You know, we I kind of look at us here as the average Americans, um, and we are. We we really are. We're 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 a melting pot here. We we are middle class America. We have all spectrums of Americans living here and and we're all feeling the same same thing for the most part one of the big things that we're in that we're rent and you know we we've had the calls in here where you know corporations are are buying up rental houses they're buying up homes um you know in 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 a lot of places where they were building these developments and the housing market crashed well corporations bought that entire development because they had the foresight to say hey this is going to be a great investment down the road and what is an investment for? And, you know, if you have rental properties, and, and like I said for, for with a caller during a call earlier in this week, your biggest investment, my biggest investment in our life is most likely our homes. And uh, 
you have you have a right to increase your value in that, increase your investment, to make money on it eventually. If you're handing it down to your children, if you're selling it and moving somewhere else for a lower expense, if you're selling it just to make the money off it because the market's so good, that's your right. You invested in that. You chose to dedicate yourself to that mortgage, to that home, to purchasing a home. You have you you deserve to make what historically has been the promise that property values increase. And and they have for the most part. You know, there's been dips and increases, but for the most part it's been pretty much steady and and land, property, homes have always been a good investment in the long run. But when you look at the rental market, when you look at the, the, the rental pool of people who rent, it's become more and more institutionalized. And I'm amazed when I speak to younger people like my, my kids' friends or, or people in general that I speak with that kind of become institutionalized as far as rent rents go. They're comfortable renting. Renting is how it's always been done. Their parents rented. They found an apartment and rented. They're comfortable where they rent. If you found a good place to rent that's stable, that with a good landlord, you know, you're happy where you are. You know, I get that. I took over the rental when my parents left New York City. You know, I, I took over, I sublet the place, the same place I grew up in and lived there for many years. Got married there, had my first child there. And then when my child turned two, we moved out to as far as to eastern Long Island as I can to get away from the educational system in New York. But... Talking to people more and more, they think that rentals are their only options. And when you start breaking down numbers for them, when I when I have conversations with people, you know, mostly that I know because it's it's a very intimate conversation about finances, about purchasing a house or such like that, they really don't grasp that yes, it may cost you a little more per month, but it's an investment. You are investing in your life, you are investing in your future. You're just not throwing money away. And when you're renting, Yes, it gives you shelter for that month, but you are throwing that money away. Somebody else is profiting off your money. And depending on what your rent is, you know, I, I looked here just in, in Scranton. You know, I pulled up Zillow. I was looking at houses. You can find houses anywhere, you know, as cheap as $80,000. Now, they're not mansions. They're not great, great houses, but they're livable houses. They're, they're decent houses, and you can make them even decent, especially if you're handy around the house. But, you know, your average house in Scranton, you know, let's go one hundred and sixty, hundred and sixty-five thousand dollars. And I pulled one up specifically. It's a three-bedroom, two-bath, uh, almost thirteen hundred square foot house. You know, it's a duplex, two-floor house. It's a decent house, and I know nothing about it. But when you break down the numbers, I don't know what people are paying for rent around here. You know, especially if you're a family. But when you break down the numbers for that house, your mortgage, your your interest, principal and interest your property taxes, and your home insurance comes to about $1,060 at at today's rates. So $1,060. Now, obviously, most people, starting out especially, but most most people don't have that 10% down, especially even on a $160,000 house. Now, you do have $30,000 sitting around. You have $40,000 sitting around. You add in closing costs. You need $40,000 to $50,000 sitting around to put down. Most people don't have that. So you're taking out what's called principal, uh, PM, um, it lost me now. Uh, you're taking out uh, private mortgage insurance, PMI. And that'll cost you about somewhere about $150 more. And what PMI does, you're taking out insurance because you're putting less down on the house. 
Believe me, I don't understand it myself. When I bought my first house, I paid PMI because we didn't have the money to put down that much. We didn't have the 20% to put down on a house. So I took out PMI. I paid it for three years. And as soon as my house gained value, I refinanced my house and got rid of my PMI. That's how that works. But basically, you pay this insurance because you're, you're, you have less invested in the house. You are guaranteeing the bank you, the, by, through this insurance that you are going to pay the mortgage each month. Because you're a risk, because you didn't put 20% down, it's basically all the bank's money. So added to this now, you got about $1,060. You add about $150 for PMI. You're paying about $1,300 a month for, what did I say, three-bedroom house, two-bath. Now, again, I'm not sure if you're a family of four or a family of five in Scranton, what you're paying for, for uh, rent. And then you add everything else involved with it. You know... It's not that out of reach to pay that $1,300 a month, and then you own your house. And believe me, it's a great investment. If you look at the, the investments that are being made now, yes, you buy a house for $160,000. You know, in 10 years, that house is, might be one hundred eighty, two hundred thousand dollars $200,000. You know, you've made that money. And as soon as you get your equity in your house, you can refinance. Like I said, hopefully rates are coming down at that point because they're at a high at this point. Um. And you uh, you um, refinance it to get rid of that PMI. So now your mortgage is less. Now, yes, if you're renting, you're not paying taxes. You're not paying school taxes. You're not paying the property taxes. So you are saving there. But that's factored into the money I just gave you. That $1,300 a month includes your principal interest, your property taxes, and, and your homeowner's insurance. Now, obviously, you're not paying property tax. You're not paying school taxes. You're not paying that. There are increased uh, costs involved with that, but it's your house. It's your investment. You are investing in your and your family's future. And if it's manageable, rather than going out to eat more often, rather than you know buying that upper upper model car that you have, it's always beneficial to get that property in your name. It's always beneficial to get that. And I've just, and the reason I bring this up, I've seen more and more people become institutionalized almost. And that's the only way I can explain it when it comes to rentals, because that's all they know. And they think that owning their own property is so out of reach for them because they don't have the $50,000 down, because they don't have a lot of money in the bank now, but they are paying $1,100, $1,200 rent now. All right, well, if you're paying that for rent now, pay a little more and own your property. Struggle a little bit. You know, cut back on things that you can cut back in. Maybe you don't need cable. Maybe you just have your internet service and and those things. But we need to uh, do better in learning about these things. And I wish schools, and it needs to start there, would go over basic financing, how to balance checkbooks still, you know, how to manage credit cards, what credit cards are, what interest rates are, how you purchase a home, what's the process of purchasing a home, what it entails. I mean, if you learned this in a basic economics course in your senior year of high school, your junior year of high school, you're going to grasp some of it. And, and, you know, I know the colleges have courses like this, maybe our communities, services. You know, why aren't cities like the city of Scranton? And they may, but I've just never seen it advertised. Why don't they have a home ownership, you know, seminar? Why don't they have the, these municipalities that have the resources and the locations where they could do these things, bring in, you know, mortgage expert, bring in real estate experts and say, yes, this is the process of how you buy a home. These are the real true costs when it comes to buy a home. We need to start proposing that because, you know, when I looked 
at a lot of the houses here, and, and, and I talk about this because my son was just down in Virginia Beach, and houses were lasting less than 24 hours on the market. That's how quick they're going. And like I said, they were offering $25,000 over asking price and losing the house. That's how quick and bad the market is there as far as selling so quick and so high. But here in Scranton, there's houses on the market for a very long time. And I think if we got to the people who work here, the hardworking people who are renting and become institutionalized with renting where they don't think they have that um, another option and sat them down and went through the numbers with them. Here, here's a sample of being houses are around you or in your neighborhood. Here's what the true costs are. You can do it. And I think if you give people that encouragement and that knowledge, they might take that step and do that and have their own investment and move themselves up on that income ladder. It's 422 here at WILK. It's time for traffic and weather. Thanks, Rob. This traffic update is brought to you by Pendela Data Internet. Heavy traffic out on 81. You'll run into some slowing in both directions between Wilkesbury and Scranton. It just dips a bit below the speed limit. Above Waverly, however, that's where you're going to be crawling on 81 northbound because of construction all the way to Lenox and out in the Harford area as well. At our 80 West, that is all jammed up due to road work. It was some issues out on Route 309. Memorial Highway in Dallas, uh, just because of the volume of traffic that's out there going into the back of Mountain and North River Street in Wilkesbury is bumper to bumper. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone, WILK Traffic. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from meteorologist Valerie, Valerie Smock. Tonight, partly cloudy, low 68. Tomorrow, partly sunny and hot, isolated showers and thunderstorms, high 90. Sunday, more clouds with a better chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms, high 86. Monday, some sun with isolated showers and thunderstorms, high 88. It's currently 89 degrees and mostly sunny at 423 at your official weather station, WILK. You're with the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 427, 89 degrees and mostly sunny. Hopefully you're getting ready to roar out the door at work. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your Friday night with whatever plans you have set up or no plans at all. Just sit on your front porch, have some iced tea, have a bourbon, have a beer. It'll be a good time, good night to do it. Let's go to the phones now. We have uh, Joe from Edwardsville on rent and inflation. Joe. Hey, how you doing, Rob? It's great to talk to you. Thank you very much, brother. No problem. And apropos of nothing else at all, I knew, based on who you are, the first words out of your mouth were going to be about that case on Long Island. So good on you, brother. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so follow me real quick here. Maybe I'm paranoid, but the best way to make money in corporate America is to be visionary, to look down the road. What's going to happen next? Uh, Bill Gates did it. Zuckerberg, Ross Perot even did it when he left IBM and started his own software company. Now, these corporations, they watch what's going on and they think, huh, well, let's buy up properties because eventually the government is constantly stepping in and saying, this is too expensive, this is too expensive, this is too expensive. We need to subsidize that. That's, that's how education got out of control. So the next thing is going to be housing. And you may remember, since it's from your backyard, there was some elected official from New York who was running for an office and started a political party called the Rents Too Damn High Party. So these are people who they are going to make this investment 
because, you know, as inflation goes up, their costs go up, the price goes up. The government in this administration or another uh, Democrat uh, administration a couple of years down the road is going to step in and say, no, we got to bail these people out, which is what the government always does. Bail in and, oh, no, we got to help the little people. Am I crazy? No, we've seen it already with the, like, the people like AOC and the Progressive Caucus saying affordable housing is their priority. And there's only two ways yeah. for the government to mandate affordable housing. They're either going to repossess houses uh, to, to make them affordable and take them away from corporations, take them away from individuals, sort of like they did during COVID where they forced people to live in houses and did not pay rent, where landlords were out on their butts for a year and a half, two years, not collecting anything. And these, these weren't corporations. These were mom and pops bought a second home as their retirement savings and right. you know, we're out, just, we're out you know, in a year and a half they they're either going to re- repossess houses or they're going to supplement and uh like you just said right i mean just like you know and i i should have thought to, to call and talk to her about it but sue henry two hosts ago she is a local she owns some properties and she rents and whatnot and i i, I felt for those poor people during the, the COVID thing, because, oh, the government's, oh, no, yeah, there's a moratorium. You can't throw people out whether they're paying rent or not. They didn't think, what, wait a minute. It was, <laughs> that, it was oh, literally like, That's criminal. like saying, you know, yeah, it, that's just like saying, you know, oh, the gas price is too high. Uh, you know, you got to give away your gas for the next four days. What, are you kidding me? Yeah, it was criminal. It was absolutely criminal, Joe. Square that circle. Yeah. And now this is what's coming next. It is. It is. And I think you're dead on with that. Uh, you know, they, they, they've already talked about it. Affordable housing is the primary of their platform outside once you get past student debt. But affordable housing is the next step. Uh, Joe, I appreciate you, Cole. You have a great weekend, brother. You do the same, brother. Thank you. It's 431 here at WILK. We'll be back after the news with Paul Michaels. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 436. It's the point of the show we honor our police officers who made the ultimate sacrifice across the nation. 77 police officers made the ultimate sacrifice on this day, two from right here in Pennsylvania. First one's going to be Trooper Michael Paul Stewart III, Pennsylvania State Police, on July 14th, 2017. Trooper Michael Stewart was killed in a vehicle crash on Route 711 at the Route. 271 split in Lagoniers Township, Westmoreland County at approximately 2.20 a.m. His patrol SUV was traveling southbound when a garbage truck attempted to turn left onto the roadway in front of it, causing a collision. Trooper Stewart suffered fatal injuries in the crash and his partner suffered minor injuries. Trooper Stewart had served with the Pennsylvania State Police for three and a half years. Second individual is patrolman. Charles Henry Stockberger, Philadelphia Police Department, 1933. Policeman Charles Stockberger was shot and killed during a wild gun battle with three robbers who took $6,720 payroll from the Allied Kid Company's Quaker City Division near Fifth Avenue and Huntington Streets. Policeman Stockberger was shot as he tried to stop the robbers who made their escape along with their driver. The four suspects were identified as members of the infamous tri-state gang responsible for several murders and robberies in the Northeast. On November 1st, 1933, two of the suspects were found lying beside the road near Camden, New Jersey. Both had been shot. One was dead. The other survived and identified as Anthony Cugino as one of the four 
who were shot to avoid betrayal. So they were shot to cover up the crime of shooting and killing the police officer. And those are the two from our area here in Pennsylvania. And our thoughts go out to all our first responders, our EMS, our EMTs, our firemen, and our law enforcement officers, and especially our military that serve our nation each and every day throughout history. We wouldn't be America without them. Let's go to the phones real quick. We have um, John from Scranton on Scoot and Death. John. Yeah. Yeah, Rob. Uh, I read a little bit of that uh, thing about uh, what the, the $400 billion or something. But uh, if you read a little further, it said this, uh, this relief was going to be for people who had, excuse me, had student loans for like 20 to 25 years yep. and had been paying on it. And they still... Uh, I, evidently, they still owe, and there's there's some kind of a uh, scam going on where these people were I don't know they were their payments weren't fully uh, applied to their debt or something. But that's a lot different than relieving uh, the students like they claimed before. And I, this, this is uh, this is like a fraud case, from what I read. <laughs> Yeah, John, I, I talked about this in the opening of the show today, and it, it's it's $39 billion student debt relief, and it's for yeah. people who had loans for 20, 25 years. So the holders of these loans are now in their 50s, and it's exactly yeah. you're exactly correct. It's not who this administration promised to help with their student loans, and yeah. it's people who have been paying their, uh, their loans for 20, 25 years. I don't think they need our tax dollars to help them pay it off now. No, no. And one more thing about the... Uh the cocaine that was found in the uh, in the White House or whatever, you know, it's you know just by basically listening to it, and including that last report that I heard, it seems like the government and the, uh, policing agencies and that have decided that the pack of cocaine is the real culprit here, <laughs> and it didn't it didn't come up with any fingerprints or any DNA. They're blaming this packet of cocaine for the problem. I, I don't know. That's the way I see it. Yeah. I think about the people who were drug tested or who were there who could be drug tested. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems silly. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely does. The whole thing feels uh, seems silly, and and the fact I, that they the most secure place in the world that it got there to yeah. begin with. Yeah, I don't think it would be happening if it was a different administration. Yeah, I appreciate your call, John. Right. Thank Take you, care. man. And we found out yesterday that it's not the first time drugs were found. There was also two occasions where marijuana was found um, in the White House. They didn't really elaborate, but it was during a confidential briefing that the some Congress people came out and said that there were actually two occasions before this where marijuana was found. Now, a marijuana is legal in Washington, D.C. Uh, they did strengthen, the White House did strengthen their marijuana policy as far as possession and use. After it was found, so there was some sort of action taking, taken there. But um, they also refused to drug test the staff after this cocaine was found, which leads you to believe, are they really serious about this? 441 here at WILK. It's time for traffic and weather. That all tells me they knew who it belonged to. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. It's obvious to some of us. This traffic update is brought to you by Cars.com. 
It looks like there's a lot of traffic out on 81. Between Wilkes-Barre and Scranton, you can expect to dip below the speed limit in various spots, northbound and southbound. You have a lot of traffic going through the construction area above Waverly. That is bumper to bumper and barely moving. And a little bit of traffic heading into the back mountain on Route 309, South Memorial Highway. That may be causing delays. Also some delays on North River Street in Wilkes-Barre. And 80 West, that construction by Bloomsburg is causing you to be held up a bit. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line, 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone, WILK Traffic. Thank you, Nikki. And in the terms of traffic, my wife left the house this morning at 630 and just got to Virginia Beach just now. She didn't bring me? She didn't bring she me. Asked. She didn't bring me either. I don't care about you. <laughs> you know, the rest of the staff, too, I was like, it's so empty today. It's Friday. Doesn't everybody work on Friday? They're all at Knobles. Is today the Knobles Day? Today was the Knobles Day. The people on air and and the engineers couldn't go to? Yeah, yeah. well, we could have, but what were we going to do? Like, you know, do a best of again? Yeah. You know, and you can't find a best of my show or traffic. (laughs) Although we might be able to do best of traffic because it is the same on some days. Just not the day you want to run the best of. (laughs) Oh, here's the... Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron now. Uh, tonight, partly cloudy, low 68. Tomorrow, partly sunny and hot. Maybe a shower or a thunderstorm, but it looks like the better day of the weekend. 90. Sunday, more clouds with a better chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms, high 86. Monday, some sun and isolated showers and thunderstorms, high 88. It's currently 89 degrees and mostly sunny here at 443, your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 4:47. I got some text messages in. Somebody says, "I'm out of my mind." If I think someone who's paying twenty dollars a month and a Section Eight is paying the other six hundred and eighty, is going to pay for their own house just by giving up cable TV, never going to happen. Well, I really wasn't talking about Section Eight housing. You know, that's severe low income. But is someone living in Section Eight housing really paying twenty dollars a month for rent because? <laughs> That's something to talk about if that's the case there. Um, you know, I, I was talking about, you know, people who are, are paying your normal rents, who are renting, you know, as a lifestyle. You know, I rented for the first 27 years of my life. And, uh, you know, it wasn't Section 8 housing. It was a normal rent uh, in New York City. So that's more what I'm talking about, families starting out, people who are renting, new professionals in the area who who are renting, who are out of school, who really just never sat down and crunched numbers, who think, yeah, $1,000, $800, $900 a month rent is the way that they, they live. They're fine with that. Maybe they're transitional. Maybe they don't want to spend all the time or, or many years in that location. I get it then. You know, I rented when I was down in Annapolis because I knew, you know, I wasn't going to. Uh, be down there that long, and if I did, you know, I was wanted that time, that year that I was down there to rent to look for a house. So, you know, rentals do have their purpose. To get me, don't get me wrong. Uh, there's always a purpose for that. What I'm saying is, the people who just really never sat down, really want a house of their own, really want a place of their own, have the income. Maybe it's a stretch. Maybe it's not. You know, I know when my wife and I were working and we bought our first house in Long Island. You know, we had the three kids. We were paying a mortgage payment every month for childcare. It was more than our mortgage, our child care. But, and we, we, I crunched the numbers for her working and me working. If she stopped working, and she was making a very good salary in the, in the investment business, you know, if, if, um, if she stopped working, it would mean about $200 less we were making a month. But that $200 paid our electric bill. 
that $200 paid a bill. So, you know, it was worth paying that mortgage payment for childcare because with the two of us working, we came out on top of all the bills by $200 if she wasn't working. So it's just that much is what I'm talking about. And, you know, you'd be surprised at the fat in your budget if you really crunch down and look at every single thing you spend. And uh, that's what I'm talking about when it comes to that, not Section 8 housing. But if someone's paying $20 for Section 8 housing, please let me know because that's something to talk about in itself because, again, that's taxpayer subsidized. Somebody is paying that homeowner that rent, you know, for that, for anyone to pay that amount of money. Uh, Let's go to the phones now. We have uh, Mike from Bloomsburg on student loans. Mike. Yeah, actually, it's it's kind of indirectly talking about – housing prices and student loans. Okay, so this morning, the Biden administration announced that they are going to forgive $39 billion worth of student loans, which is it's a big number, and it's going to affect 800,000 uh, people that had borrowed. And that comes out to almost $50,000 per person forgiveness. So what does that $50,000 forgiveness do? Well, it, to me, it's inflationary. It allows people not to have to pay their loans back, and they can use that money for other things, like to bid up housing costs, okay? <clears throat> so if, you were, if those people weren't buying a house because they had these big loans, now they could be in the market, and there's more people trying to buy. That drives up the price. But the other thing it does is where is that money coming from? Who's, you know... If I owe somebody $100,000 and the government says I don't have to pay it, who makes up that money? So in this case, where does this money come from that's being used to to, uh, forgive loans? Well, it's all our money. It's tax dollars. That's where the government gets its money from. That's the only place they get it from. So what you're saying then is the people that are struggling to buy a house are going to have to pay someone else's loans off before they can get their own loan to buy a house. Exactly. Exactly. And what kind of message does our government send to the society when it says, you know what, you borrow money, too much money, to, to, to pay, pay it off because you made a bad decision or whatever, but you're not going to have to pay the price for it. What, what does that say to, to people that you, you, you can make mistakes and you're going to be bailed out? That encourages bad behavior, in my opinion. Exactly. We are encouraging bad behavior. We are incentivizing bad behavior. And they use the same, the same arguments. They say, oh, well, we bailed out the banks. We bailed out the car injury industry. Yeah, but, you know, bailing out an individual student loan holder doesn't benefit the public at all. It benefits that individual. Bailing out a bank or bailing out a car company, if you agree with it or not, I don't agree with a lot of those bailouts myself, but bailing out that bank, bailing out that car uh, car industry trickles down to millions of of Americans that it's stabilized from being being affected by that. There's the difference, and they really don't never highlight that difference. The argument is, well, why wouldn't we help these kids with their student loans when we buy it, when we bail out banks? Well, because if you didn't bail out the bank, you probably had, you know, 100,000 businesses with millions of employees that would have went out of business. So that's the reason they do it, because it's in the general good of a larger group where these student loans are just helping that individual. Well, now that you're talking about the general good, how, how did they come about deciding 
they said they, they used a technical requirement. They must be loosening the, uh, the the requirements of this technical requirement. What is that requirement? And did they look at where these people are located out living at? Did they did they crunch numbers in all directions and say, hey, if we forgive these loans, we will end up gaining more votes in specific. Uh, congressional districts, because I don't put anything past these people in Washington when it comes to trying to figure out ways how to win elections. And to me, the bottom line is this is what they're trying to do by votes. Oh, it's been that from the start. The whole promise of doing away with student loans was nothing about vote, nothing but votes for votes. And if you look at the demographics they're helping here, it's people who are over 50 because these loans are 20 to 25 years old. So People over 50. So who's people over 50? They're solid voters. They're donors, small donors maybe, but they're still donors. They're the the most politically active people. That's kind of changing now because you get the younger demographic that's really getting involved in politics. But historically it has been. That's who this is helping, and you have to wonder why Why are they helping this specific group. But if you look at the, the one the Supreme Court just, just shot down – that was the same thing. It, it was helping people with advanced degrees. It was helping you know professionals. That's who held the most student debt at that time. People who have master's degrees, uh, you know, ba- uh, doctorate's degrees. It was that's who it was helping. So, th- the whole thing from the start has been a whole fallacy. It's to me, it's disingenuous if the Supreme Court says no, you can't do this, and then you come right back and shove it in their face and say we're going to try doing it another way. That's exactly what they did, so we'll see what happens there. Mike, I appreciate your call. You're welcome. Take care now. Bye. Thank you, man. It's 4.55 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 4.58 here at the station, 88 degrees and sunny outside. I just got a number on those troops that uh, President Biden is going to be activating, those reserve troops that they're going to put uh, active duty Um. 3,000 individual reservists are being called up to uh, be part of Operation Atlantic Resolve in and around the European theater. So 3,000 reservists are being called to active duty. doesn't say for how long, but that's the number that uh, has been given now. So that that's a substantial number. And um, if you look at what's going on, the, the military has not been meeting its recruiting goals. I believe their fiscal year ends the end of this month. And um, I think all the services are about 25% shy of their goal for recruitment. But this is not that because you're talking months away for boot camp and getting people on the ground in different units and especially in in a war zone or or next to a war zone. But 3,000 reservists to active duty for an undetermined amount of time is a a number that we still need to look at. But again, not many places are starting to dig in. This article is from Politico now, so they're obviously – Digging in, but Biden orders 3,000 reservists to be ready for European deployments is the Politico headline. It's uh, coming on 5 o'clock here at the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. We'll be back after this.